Coming to you direct from our super secret studio. Hello, everyone. This is Washington for Beautiful People on Deep State Radio. I'm your host, Emily Brandwin, at CIA Spy Girl on Twitter. And we're broadcasting from the very, 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 very chilly East Coast from Yale. And I'm joined by two of the most lovely, wonderful people on the planet. That's a lot. I'm just saying, like, that's a lot. Two of the most lovely, wonderful people on the planet, Asha Rangappa and Sam Vinograd. We're all here in New Haven speaking at the Women in National Security Summit, or panel, rather. Summit. summit. It sounds so it's official. It's a summit if we're it's all there. It's a summit. We're it's all... a summit. And thank you. At the, uh, so before I dive in, I know you all know who Sam and Asha are, but I'm going to give them each – a few seconds just to, you know, give like the professional introduction. And I just did air quotes when I said that. <laughs> I wish you all could have seen that. That was awesome. Yeah. I do air quotes all the time when it's not appropriate. I'll be like, Me oh, too. I get in trouble for that. Let's go drink water. <laughs> and I'll put air quotes like, is it not water? I'm like, no, it's just, it's water. But I'm just going to use air quotes. Okay. My one sentence bio. Yes. CNN National Security Analyst, Senior Advisor of the Biden Institute. In a previous life, I worked at the White House for four years uh, for the National Security Advisor and before that, U.S. Treasury Department running around the Middle East and Washington, D.C. And what's your favorite show on Netflix? I'm just curious. Like what's your favorite show that you would binge right now? Russian Doll. I did it last night. Oh, it's so good. Obviously. I mean, so good. I'm clearly obsessed with Russia. Clearly. If you go on my Twitter feed, I'm obsessed with Natasha Leone. She's Amazing. Amazing. And who doesn't watch six straight episodes all in one sitting? Everyone. Right. I could right. watch Don't Natasha. You watch Do you, have you seen it yet? No, not Russian <gasps> Dolls. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> okay, we're done here. The show is going to be over so we can go watch Russian Dolls. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Asha, tell us about yourself. Okay. I am Asha Ringappa. I am a senior lecturer at Yale's Jackson Institute for Global Affairs. Prior to coming to Jackson, I was an associate dean at Yale Law School, and I am a former FBI special agent in the counterintelligence division of the New York division of the FBI. And what's your favorite musical, Asha? Oh. That's a good mm. one. I'm going to judge you by your answer. And so I tell everybody yeah. that. I say – I'm I, super judgy on this. Yeah. Because I have a lowbrow answer. No, I want the truth. And do you want the truth? You can do top five. Well, no if you're lying, obviously. Yeah. Seriously. What's your – okay, okay top, I, you can do top five. Okay, I I really love Rock of Ages. Okay, I'm going to judge you a little bit. I really like it because the soundtrack. I eh. I like the soundtrack. I also so I'm partial to a chorus line because oh. I told you that yes. I was in a chorus line. Um, I like Book of Mormon. Love Book of Mormon, guys. No. What? No. Can we just go old school here for one second? If you say Fiddler, we're done. I no, love Fiddler. I, I'm not, I love Fiddler. Fiddler's oh, great, but no. I mean. Who has not seen and who does not love Oklahoma? I hate it. I love it. Oh I've my never God. seen it. Bye will, Bye Birdie. Okay. Can we go back to Oklahoma? I have a theory that any musical that has a horse in it is bad. Shenandoah, Carousel, Oklahoma, even Fiddler, they had horses. Nope, the horses are all character. Love Oklahoma. Oh. Love Bye Bye Birdie. I mean, I'm half French, which okay. caused problems back in the day for security clearances. Okay. We worked through it. Les Mis, I grew up on. Great musical. Great no musical. Horse. 
Great musical, no horse. No Actually, horse. I think there was a horse in it. No, that was in the movie, not in the re- oh. not in the stage show. There's no horses. Oh. Oh. Well. No. Okay. And you know, I feel like there was so a musical about my people. Yes. Which one? Which Bombay Dreams, which Good. was only on Broadway for like. It didn't do that. It great. didn't do that well, <laughs> no. and I really wanted my people to succeed. Like I felt it's, like it was. I really you guys thought, do you have Bollywood though, so that's do. good. I know. I don't know. I just felt like everything, judged and fa- like we no. failed. Everything gets revived. It'll revive again. Every show gets revived, even shows that shouldn't like Oklahoma. It's coming out. They have a new revival coming out oh, in March. I know. Oh, I know. Excuse me. Okay. I know. Okay. Well, now that we've done that, I have a question for you both. How did wine and fries get started? Oh, super simple answer. So Asha and I met in the green room at CNN super early one morning and kind of connected. And randomly, and I give you kudos for this, you reached out after and were like, hey, I'm coming into New York. Do you want to like get together? Maybe could we stay together? Right? Right. We quickly realized. By the way, I am envisioning Greece this long when they it was basically the, that the slumber party and somebody singing "Look at Me" on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was, we, we do that. We just every took time a on each other oh. and quickly discovered that we each have a vice. Of course, we each just have one vice. Just one. Mine happens to be French fries. It's oh, a good. Vice. I don't drink. Asha's happens to be wine. I don't eat. Do you eat French fries? Yeah, they're there, but I'm not, you know, I I crave the wine more than the Right, so we just balance each other out well, and so we started having these conversations and dinners where we kind of pivot between, like, real national security issues, boys, and God knows what else, but it's really, like, quite substantive and quite superficial, and the wine and fries balance Yeah, and then one night, this was in D.C., I don't know why (laughs) we were there together, but we came home. (laughs) <laughs> um, late. We were staying in a hotel together and we got back. I don't remember why we were there. But anyway, we got back. We were dr- – oh, this was the the fancy – I think I was your date for something. Um, but uh, we came back to the hotel and we're all dressed up um, and Sam was craving fries and I was yeah. craving wine and we were like, you know, we should have our own show and it would be at like seven in the morning and we're still like wearing our it's evening like, wear from it's the like night. The walk of shame a yeah. little bit. So it's like we're still wearing the evening wear from the night yeah. before with like, you know, the serious the, smoky the, eye. The serious smoky eye. eye. But I think and that's so sexy though. And like, you know Especially at seven AM. Seven AM on Saturday oh. we and, and it would be wine and fries and like I'm drinking wine, she's eating fries and we talk. We no, thought it could be a hit. I so think it we, is. So we tweeted this because we thought it was really brilliant. It was like 2 in the morning. I was going to say you probably tweeted at 7 in the morning. Yeah, and we just – people were really, you know, were the really into spoken. it. Because some people really like french fries. Some people really like wine. It's kind of like – And some people for- just wanted to see us in uh, Next Day Smoky Eye. Doing the Walk of Shame together basically. Yeah. The, have there. you guys ever done the Walk of Shame in college? Can I plead the fifth on that? Yeah, I, my mom. I feel like I, I, oh, I'm just am curious. too old. It doesn't to mean walk of shame. Question. I don't mean like, you don't have I... to have done that. I was just curious yes. if you ever had something similar. Yes. Although now, when you do early morning TV, like when I get back to my building, <laughs> yeah. my doorman thinks that I'm doing the walk of shame because I'll get back at you know 7 a.m. or 6:45 a.m. and he's like, yeah, and he's like, okay. I'm like, no, dude. I was actually working. It, there's a lot of judging going on. And you like air quotes when you said working? Yeah. Okay. Oh, working. Ooh, wrong, wrong oh, word choice. Wrong word choice. And he's like, sure, Jan. Yeah. Sure. Sure, Jan. So my, I, I have a question because the world is kind of nasty. I don't know if you guys have noticed on social media. I want to challenge you both to say something nice 
about Ivanka, Jared, and Don Jr. And you can throw anything you want at me. I feel like I've. I feel like you both hate me. We have me. to say something nice. Something about nice. I can start. I think Ivanka has good hair on occasion. On occasion, I get jealous because I have curly hair, and I think she's got nice blowouts. Uh, to be totally candid, you stole mine. So I'm going to pivot to Asha for a second. I do think that she has nice hair. She does. She's got lovely hair. And whoever does her color does a great job. I, I On a serious note, yes. I do think that she tries to position herself as a role model for women. I do think so, on too. On multiple occasions. We, we can talk about what that means and if I would want her to be a role model for my children, unborn children, but – uh, hypothetical children. <laughs> but I, I think that she has tried to position herself that way. But, okay, that isn't a compliment. You see through me. I do. I see you. <laughs> you I took know. my compliment, though, with oh. the hair. I, I, just because she's trying doesn't mean – okay, pick somebody else. You can pick Jared or you could pick Don Jr. I know it's hard, but I think we can do it. I think we're – Okay, really... I've got one okay. for Ivanka. Okay. I think that – Ivanka shows genuine affection for her children. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Sam. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) I think Ivanka cares deeply for her father. Okay. You guys, we did it. There's some high fives going on right now. I won't be mean and make you now do Don Jr. or Jared because we could all like wuss out on the answer and say they're really great to their kids. Although I don't know if Don Jr. I came is. up with that one. That was pretty genius. It was pretty well done. And you know what? You know where I got that? Where? HRC. Remember the debate? <gasps> yes. <laughs> it's a callback, as we like to say in the comments. Like he world. was circling her like Jaws. And then I think it was one of the moderators was, that was like, can you guys each say one nice? nice. And she complimented him on his children. Who do you think is the next – person from the White House is going to be on Celebrity Big Brother. Now, can we just talk about that for a second? Yes, what? Scaramucci actually didn't stay on Big Brother I, that long. I know. Did he get voted off? No, I think he just left, right? Yeah, he has the rule. He only stays somewhere for like 15 seconds. So yeah, he, <laughs> he stayed was longer. very brand. He stayed longer at the White House than he did on Celebrity Big Brother. Now, I don't blame him. That was no. an intense, intense cast of characters. I mean, who's that guy that was married to Drew Barrymore for like a hot second that was there? Tom, whatever. Tom. You guys actually watched this? Briefly. I, Briefly. I watched the first episode because Anthony Scaramucci was on it. It was quite interested. You know. It's the Mooch. And the Mooch, yeah, he was there for an episode, I think. Yeah. But who's going to be the next White Who House? do you think the next one is? Who do you think is – they're eyeing. I think it's very – Kellyanne could do it. Kellyanne wouldn't do it. Steve I, Miller. Steve Miller, I could see if they they brought out like just a cartload I of money. I think Steve Miller would kill everyone. I, I don't think Steve Miller would do it. and put Or put or lock them all in the basement. He does not – I mean how, Like something he, weirdly sociopathic would happen. How much with a diverse group of people? And then Never. it would become a federal crime scene. I think he'd bring a magnifying glass and go outside and wait for the sun and like kill a bunch of ants. That's my theory. He is that kid. Of course. He does it all the time. Yes. <laughs> I, the I time. just don't – I have not seen him really engage with um, a diverse set of characters. Correct. Um, <laughs> to put it mildly. So I'm just like picturing him in Celebrity Big Brother where it's people of all different shapes, sizes, colors, backgrounds, preferences, et cetera. Like how would that quite – like when you have to pick a team member, who is he going to pick as his team member? I think, I think it would be more interesting to see Steve Miller – on The Bachelor. 
Oh, he never get the Bachelor. No, but what if they did? Like, Can what you if imagine they imagine like, signed up for the Bachelor as a female contestant, and he was a Bachelor? You get out of the limo. I'd be like, I'm out. Peace out, my brothers. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get out of the. But limo. But what if the prize be, was like a million dollars? Nope. Nope. Hard no. You'd see elbows and ass. That's all you'd see from behind. Would just be my elbows and my ass going back and forth and back. They would start yelling at me. I would kick off my shoes. Now I'm going to tell you a true story. I, I was in a. Run. I literally was in a special gym class for little girls who couldn't throw balls, and I threw up when they made me do the mile. I would kick this. Rings, right? but oh, you wouldn't see me. There'd be smoke coming out. There's Can no you way. Imagine though, but like, what if Colton it was Underwood? for like the benefit of national security? Like, what if if he just went on a date? I just a date. National like, security. Girl, like, I moved to Canada. Like a woman talked to him. Normally, <gasps> like maybe it could change him. Uh, there's nothing that can change him other than a lobotomy. Uh, true. How old is he? He's in his thirties. Do you, can you imagine all the like? Do you think he's on? He's not a J date. But he's got to be on one of the dating. No, things. my dad told me to. He's join not on J date a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, I did J date. I'm sure I he's never not did J date. It was my dad actually, who I hope will listen to this podcast, sent hey. me like a picture hey, of like a J date poster a few years ago. I think it was a not so subtle. I know some success stories from J date. I know a lot. Everyone of, says that to the yeah. single girl, and it's like thanks. <laughs> I dated half the Jewish population in Los Angeles when really? I moved. When I moved to LA, but I also needed to eat, and I was poor, so that's why. Well, that's I did the thing; it. it's really cost effective it to is. go on dates. Yeah, are you it, allowed to be on jaded if you're not Jewish? You are. Yeah, a lot yeah. of J- Jewish guys like dating non-Jewish girls. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, I think the Hindus and the Jews do well. Yeah, I would absolutely. It's like the Om Shalom. There you go. Connection. I, would you never do it? You've never before. heard that? No. no. Maybe. Yeah, because there's a lot. Like, I mean, Hindu Jewish weddings, Om Shalom. I've never heard that before. But I'll check out J Date and see if they have any like requirements for religion. I don't think they do. It's and a whole you, new world for you. If you eat it well, you be. can call it the J Date meal plan. That's, That's what true. I called it. That is a great way of looking mm-hmm. at it. <laughs> I was really poor when I moved to LA. When I did re- you move to LA? I moved in mid 2000s. And I just remember, like, I just. This theory that if it was like a really good date, I didn't want the guy to think I was cheap, so I wouldn't take home my leftovers because I was like, "Oh, it's okay. I don't need a doggy bag." But if I, I don't really need to eat those later. And if I thought it was just, it was just like, and like I'll take home my leftovers. If it was really bad, I would take home his leftovers because it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Wait, were you still working for the government? I wasn't. Like I moved out there, and then I would never tell people I worked for the CIA if it was a bad day because I was like, I didn't want to engage. So, so they would say, "Would you land for the that government?" Is a, that is a conversation starter. Okay, what's your worst dating story? I have so many. Wait a minute, you start because I have to go through my rolodex of bad dating stories. In the, how about bad in government stories? Like, do you have any bad dating in the FBI stories? No, because I married the guy I was that I oh. want to go with. Okay, I mean, I'm not married anymore. Okay, but bad. But I'm bum. Wait. I think that there is kind of a general rule within the White House not to date your coworkers because – and I made this mistake. You spend a heck of a lot of time together. Yeah. And it's just like you do not need to be distracted when you're there. I know, but doesn't everybody do it? Everybody dates each other. It's like the Hunger Games for dating when you're working in the West Wing. You have no time to meet people. So those are the people that will be in your world because you're still going to want to go out. Didn't people still like mess around that you worked with? Oh, I'm sure. Okay. Yes, but I'm saying that it's just like you're so tired. You're working so much. It's not like you're like going out and meeting whole new groups of people. So I think people – and people often date where they work because that's where you spend a lot of time. They know your world. They know your vocabulary. 
Right. Although now at this point, I would prefer to date someone who knows nothing about national security. I would say there are a fair number of agents who married each other. Hmm. Did people date at, in Quantico during so the So that's process? what you got teased. Like if you were a Quantico romance. Were then, you guys? Oh, you know. What's that? Were you, you and Andy? Yeah. <gasps> Really? Yeah, because, you know, I went to Quantico after I was in a pretty serious car accident. And so I was struggling. And um, we were in the lunch line. I was also starving because there wasn't very much vegetarian food at Quantico at the time. Anyway, so Andy thought, you know, I was beautiful or something and noticed that I loved Rice Krispie treats. Sam. This is why we're friends. (laughs) Wait a minute. If I would have known, I make gourmet rice krispie treats. What? No, they're they people. So does Starbucks, which I'm oh, sure are not as good as yours. Those are but. trash compared to mine. <laughs> mine. I'll tweet you a picture. They're literally they call them crack krispies. They're amazing. Continue. Oh yeah. So he brought me a rice krispie treat. You know, the first night because oh. you know he saw that I was sad that I had failed my PT test, and then he started helping me with my push-ups. And that wow. And I helped Seriously? him with the legal stuff because we, you know, the academics was largely around hmm. uh, legal training. So I tutored him on that. He helped me with push-ups. We both passed. That's really sweet. Oh, I love that. Then we got divorced. Well, did it, <laughs> I mean, there was way like, to bring so. that one down. I was like, <laughs> that was almost a great story was, or a great movie, and right? Then minus the last part. No, but, but he's great. We get along. We got two yes. great kids. So yes. it, you know, it, that was a. Yes. But you do bring your – like if you date someone that you work with, you are constantly talking about work. You just can't help it. Well, it's funny. At the agency, everybody dates one another. Legitimately. But that makes sense though because it's <laughs> not a secure – like you know you're not taking any security risks when no. you're dating. But, and they also love couples. Oh, they love – oh, at the agency? The agency loves – Oh. Right? Because then they love it. March you off to you, all kinds of places. And you go off and as, you do as a couple? As a couple. But you don't go if you're dating. So a lot of people would go through the farm and then get engaged really quick because they'd want to go overseas together. Because otherwise you get split up, you know, your oh, partner. They would, they would trust the engagement. They didn't make you actually get No, married. although what happened with me is I was dating someone very seriously and they put us <clears> – we were going to get stationed together and then I ended up leaving the agency and he ended up actually going somewhere else. But you, like, you know what's an interesting distinction? Because yes. if, if you become a CIA couple, then yes. presumably okay. you are working sources and doing all that mm-hmm. stuff together. So in the bureau – Basically like in the in the Americans. Like in the Americans. Totally, totally but the, like the American version. It's totally version. Totally like the Americans except we didn't like – you know, decapitate people and put them in suitcases. Into, exactly. That I can talk about. I know. That, that's <laughs> in the guidebook. But I mean <laughs> – Over wine and fries. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in the bureau um, – so if you're married to another agent – so one time I had to meet with a source and um, I had to pay the source. And, you know, in the bureau you have to have another agent there. There's all kinds of paperwork. You know, they sign – I don't know uh, if you had to do this. We just sign a receipt. Oh, my God. Sign the receipt and like the source is like, what? Okay. Like, dumb ridiculous. question for someone who is yeah. never operational – what it, like what's the purpose to make sure that you're not stealing the money? Correct, no. well, and and that they received oh, it. Also, for us, it was to you're reinforcing that it's a business relationship, and so you always to make sure there's never that like crossover because in the agency, if you're especially if you're a woman and you're recruiting yep. somebody and you're meeting them maybe in a hotel, you just so kind always, of like you don't want to be carried from homeland. It, no, you never want to be carried from homeland. And yeah, when I tell people that, no, do you know how many people ask me, like, are you just like carried from homeland? I'm like, she tried to kill her baby in one episode. Remember? She <laughs> literally debated it. She put her baby in a bathtub. I'm, I kept thinking, why would you want anybody working in the government who 
people might think about kill their baby. Infanticide is not. Let's cool. get to her yeah. in a second. But right. I, I, yes, so you had to, you, so you had to sign. Absolutely, it you had to have people sign. But we had to have you know another agent there. And Interesting. in you know this one day, my partner wasn't available or. For whatever reason, we can't – we couldn't – he wasn't there and um, I had to pay the source. And so, um, you know, I told my supervisor, I said, well, my husband can come with me because he's going to be on the way home and we'll stop and we'll do this with another agent. And uh, it was against bureau rules for a married couple to meet with a source. Why? Um, Why? So, so I thought this was just like dumb rule yeah. or, you know, some some weird bureaucratic thing. It's because – of marital privilege, you cannot testify <gasps> against each That's other. So, so you, interesting. Yes, I figured this out. Like one day, I in the learned shower. that on Law and Order SVU. Yes. So Tom, basically, Tom. you could like what you know. The bureau is always suspicious. Like they have every <laughs> gap covered that you could possibly do anything to cheat the government. So they are like, well, if one of you steals the money and the other person witnesses it, the whole point is lost because we can't force one to testify against the other. So basically, it's a rule based in distrust. Correct. Fantastic. So I'm trying to think if it's like better not to be single in any of these jobs. And this brings up a lot of other questions about being a woman in national security, which oh, we're going to, going to talk we're about later. Talk about tonight with some young some young ladies. Yeah, some youngs. Is, is it actually all women coming tonight? Probably. Probably not. Oh, I think it's just always. I think you guys are going to have a, some groupies. Yes. Oh my god, I'm going to corrupt some young minds. Flattery <laughs> gets you everywhere with me. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> And for the president too, uh, that seems to work quite well, yes, doesn't yes. it? But uh, I'm actually like thinking. Is if it it's better be- to be single? Yeah. yeah. In these kind of jobs, what was it like? Like for you, was it? I mean, I wasn't single. I when I first started, I this makes. I was just about to say I dated a lot, but that makes me sound horrible. I was also a virgin when I started at the CIA, so I'll preface that as well. I was a very, <laughs> very sweet, like naive little flower, but I did date a lot, and all the guys I dated were in the agency. And then I had a very, very serious relationship. We're in the agency or yeah, we're, we're not? in the agency. Okay. Because I would try to date outside and people would say, you know, what do you do? I know. That's such a buzz. My cover job was so boring that when you're in D.C., I think there you want to be impressive. Like, Sam, when you dated, didn't you – it was nice to have some juice and say, hey, I work at the White House. I work around Obama. To be totally honest, But so, it's, it doesn't work for women. This is the you thing, think right? So? I, I, I mean, definitely not FBI agent. I think it's cool. Uh, no, it did not get me street cred in D.C. Every well, well, everyone in D.C. is trading in titles, right? Yeah. So like you were in a, you were in a different capacity because you were agency and, and I have no talk, title and couldn't talk about. Yeah, but like, how many times do you walk into a bar in D.C. and instead of someone asking you like where you're from, it's like, so where do you work? It's L.A. That doesn't really happen in New York. I don't no, get that as it much. But in D.C., that was quite usual. And I didn't date when I was at the White House. I had no time. You didn't date at all? I had a long-distance boyfriend who was okay. kind of terrible but uh, who lived in New York. So we'd see each other on the weekends like the one night that I was off uh, during the week. But we worked six days Was he week. impressed that you were about with your job? Did he think it was cool? At first. But then when he realized that it, it was all-consuming. I mean the thing about the White House is – and this is actually quite interesting in light of what came out about the president's schedule – like, I don't know how it was at the agency or FBI, but, like, you never stop working. Like, everyone would get in at 6 because that's how we used to do the presidential daily briefing. And then everyone, you know, the rest of the government would go home or most of them around 7, 7.30, and that's when the real work starts. So when are you supposed to date? Well, it's funny. I told – when I left, someone asked, you know, why would you leave the CIA? And I said it's – I actually stole this from John Stewart. 
because I think he's amazing. But who doesn't? I mean, oh my, he was he's he's on the list. Uh, Hall pass. Oh yeah. Well, him and Mandy Patinkin and Patty Lapone. So I think my husband's pretty safe. Oh. Yeah, I think they're good. Yeah, I think he's pretty good. Who's your hall pass? Who's your hall pass? What's a hall pass? Oh, come on. On your list. We'll watch the movie together. On your list. Uh, Like Like, like you're allowed? You're allowed. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm not even going to go on until I get an answer. Who's on your Sam? We'll give Asha. It is a long list these days. Pick top five. Okay, if – for some reason, they ever got divorced, and I yes. hope that they know. Chris Hemsworth, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And he's lovely. He seems lovely. like such a kind person. Liev Schreiber. I mean, I, w- I watch a lot of uh, Ray Donovan. I'm really can bad we, at can sleeping. Can we pull these people up? I don't know. Who yeah, I'll show you. He's he's pretty adorable. I'm really bad at sleeping. It's never been a strength of mine. That's why I watch so much Netflix. Like it's not. I don't. I watch Netflix from like. I mean, who's awake at two thirty on a Tuesday? Right. No one good, so I watch Netflix. Okay, so Leah, Leah, yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, those are the top two right okay. now. Okay, what about you? Oh, sorry, oh. just sorry, Mark Ronson. Oh, Mark Ronson, if you're listening, we'll get on that too. Yeah, thanks. For years. Do they have to be like Hollywood celebrities? No, I know. I picked Patty Lapone for God's sakes. You're good, Justin Trudeau. Oh, he's a he's good in one. trouble. By the way, have you seen this? His government, yeah. Does that matter for the hall pass? No, it totally doesn't matter. You're not going to talk about government. No, I mean Canadian government. Canadian. I also have like some that are I think old fashioned, but like I who? like like I've always had a crush on Ray Fiennes, but like oh, isn't he adorable. old now? I saw him at the now? gym once. Yeah, I like mean, he's, he's frozen old, in old. my mind. He's adorable. In, he's he's super cute, right? He's totally cute. He's still. Oh, you know what though? I'm thinking of him in Schindler's List, which is not good. Yeah, that's no. not the image that, that I'm going for. He's in Red, Drag- Red, Red Dragon. Dragon. Okay. Red Dragon. Thank you. Yeah, or you don't want to think of him as Voldemort because no, that was not a that's the other thing. No. I know. Yeah, but um, I was actually across from him in a bar in London one oh. night across a smoky bar. Mm. Did I you know. have a smoky eye? I wish. I don't know. It was a long time ago. That's but, a good sighting. It, yeah, it was a very good it's sighting. A very, I was there very with the sighting. actor from the Royal Shakespeare Company, who was my mm-hmm. date. I love oh, that you just good. throw around the evening out with the Royal Shakespeare Company. So I was on this date with this guy from the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> who's really talented and awesome. And we were at this, this little bar that Ray Fiennes was at. So the other one, um, Henry Cavill. Oh, that's a good one, too. I love him. He's kind of adorable. He's super adorbs. And because he plays Superman, I feel like that. I love Superman. Okay. Those are those are all good. And I think we've demonstrated that we have a nice variety here. We went from <laughs> one more. Ma- Mandy Patinkin, can you beat it? <laughs> Number one, and I'm just embarrassed, Idris Elba. Oh, he is. He's right. Mm. He should be the next James Bond. Like Ooh, what him. the heck? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right? But I feel like now there's been such a call for him to do it that it So just make happen. him James Bond. I don't know. I think they're going to maybe do a woman. Nah, nah. Who are we kidding? <laughs> no, we have. We're getting our own stuff though. Like, know. like there's some. Wait, what happened to what's his name? The broody dude, Daniel Craig. Yeah, I think he was like it was one. And he, he timed was, out. He yeah. timed out. He was. He's like, I'm gonna do one more. Like and then they I'm got. I mean, peace they, out. Sean Connery was out after a while. You can't be James Bond forever. Once you had ARP, they. Yeah, that's that's a cutoff. <laughs> you if you get a senior pass at the movies, if you qualify, you're booted. Or if you, you know go to Costco, get really excited. I get excited. At I Costco. do get Costco. I, Costco is said, great. Is. They have giant boxes of Tootsie Roll pops. Tootsie Roll pops are disgusting. Love them. Great Tootsie it, Roll that's pops. Disgusting. If anybody would ever like oh. to get on my good side, flatter me. 
buy me French fries and buy me a Costco-sized Tootsie Roll pasta. Well, give time, me only the grape ones. I take them out of my kids' Halloween candy and throw them away. That's, I'll that's give cruel them and unusual. You. I'll give them to you. Okay, thanks. I'll see. <laughs> what, do, what doesn't cut it for your kids, it's, send it's, my way. Makes sense. I have a question. What is the biggest when you tell people on dates or et cetera that you worked at the White House or the FBI? What's the first question? I know I asked you this before, but I'm curious because I know we talked around a little bit. What's like what's the silliest question you get or the most common question you get that you have to say, hey, I'm about to ruin the FBI for you. I'm about to ruin the White House for you. This doesn't really happen. Yeah. So this goes back to what I was saying before. It's actually a total – like it – there's always like something dumb like, but guys find you really intimidating. Well, that's a – no, but that's a good question. I bet you get it all no, the time. No, but that – yeah, but that's not what you want to hear from – your date – like that's like actually your date saying I feel very intimidated and then that's really like on a track. I don't – you know what I'm saying? No, but that's a good – but that to me is – that's a common question. I get why that's a question you would get all the time because I would be intimidated. Would you? Oh, I get intimidated easily by – like I was just saying John Cipher who is on Twitter. We were talking about him and I used to work with him and I found him so incredibly intimidating. Now I know him and I'm not but he's – yeah, I get intimidated and I just make a joke about it. I'm not funny, so I can't do that. What did people ask you? What was your what was the biggest misconception? I don't know that, that there's a misconception. People, the first question is, did you ever fly an Air Force One? Did you? Yes. Was it amazing? It was. Uh, well, well, the food was amazing. I heard the food the candy bowls were amazing. Did you steal anything? What kind of candy do they have? Yes. All just like bites, like the little size ones, okay. like little size candy oh, like bars. like chocolates. Well, chocolates, Three Musketeers, Snickers, M&M's. Twix? I don't remember any Twix, actually. No. Mm-mm. So that part was amazing. Oh, my God. The non-amazing part was – Does uh, that depend on the president, though? I actually don't know the answer to that question because Obama didn't – I never saw him really eating candy. He liked to play cards on Air Force One. What did he play? Uh, sp- what's that game? Spit? No, sp- not Spit. You- <laughs> I love Spit. Me what? too. So do four-year-olds. It's President Obama. <laughs> oh, that hurts, Oh, Sam. Spades. Spades. That hurts. That bit. game. But, uh, I like that game too. But the non-awesome part of flying on Air Force One was that someone had to be up 24-7 to monitor income because you can get stuff on the plane. There was a computer. So yours truly – like I, when, when you fly to Asia, you get like – or fly back from Asia, excuse me. You actually live an extra day because of the time difference. So we'd like get back from the East Asia Summit or something like that. So you get to do the day over? Yeah. That's Which like means you're up double the amount of time. Mm-hmm. So that part was less than awesome. But overall, yeah, it was great. It's, it was a beautiful plane. It's been updated, I hear. Trump is it? trying to update it. Lots Ter- of gold, I'm sure. Yes. And uh, hamburgers and Chick-fil-A. No disrespect to Chick-fil-A. I just saw that he served that to some athletes uh, visiting the White House the other I day. I still have challenges with Chick-fil-A. But continue. I mean, I prefer like Chipotle or something personally because I'm a vegetarian. But um, Me too. I know. We do have a hard time eating together, though. Why do we have such a hard time? I'm celiac. Eating? I know it's oh, you do. it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, but uh, no. Air, that I normally get asked about Air Force One or like what Obama was like, and you know. And both of you, and because it's topical, had to go through the security clearance process. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Yes. You, both- Asha. How many times did it take you to correctly <laughs> fill out your security clearance forms? One. Weird. Me too. <laughs> Me too. That's so oh, bananas. How many um, r- meetings with Russians did you all have before you took the job? I had none. How many Rus- How many meetings with foreigners did you have that you didn't disclose? I had none. I had Meaning- none. Weird, but I right? didn't disclose. That's crazy. I but- mean, you think about the kinds of things that we all consider to be like 
ex- exclusionary from working for the U.S. government, right? Back in mm-hmm. the day, if your dad wasn't president or your father-in-law wasn't president. And like I remember pouring over those forms. We had to fill them out by hand. It wasn't yes. online. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pouring over those forms yes. because – With my, every address you've lived at. But just like racking my brain. My, I had to give my French – my dad's French and all my siblings. So I spent so much time – in France, like racking my brain if like someone I went to college with was foreign and I didn't put it on just because I didn't want anyone to think. You're not being totally forthcoming. Totally. Guys, but- my mom filled out an SF-86 because she was a linguist. She was a contract <laughs> linguist for the FBI. This poor woman that. who like came to United States in 1970 and they're like asking her for her address in like – some yeah. village in southern – she's like, I don't think I had a street address. Yeah. And so then they're like so – she's like – I mean she's totally one of the, the Indians. I was like, I would never go back. Yeah. Dirty, dirty place. You know, like so she's like – you know, she's like so happy to be in America. She's like, I am here. We came here. I like my comfort. Um, but, you know, and then she got grilled for like every contact. Like who did you know in India? And she's like, what? You know, and got polygraphed on Did it. Did she get polygraphed? Oh, my God. Your mom had to get a poly? My, my mom had a polygraph. Here's the thing, though. The people – I really want to just you like – You get a poly, right? Uh, so I got a polygraph for a job that I didn't actually end up taking. Okay. That was more on the operational side. Okay. And then – so, yes, I did pass a counterintelligence polygraph. But can I just like flag – Yes. Here's the thing. Why lie? Simple question, Because right? you think you're going to get away with it. Right, but if you have nothing I to mean, hide, you lie because you know, you know that what you are concealing raises a lot of questions that you, you don't, don't want to answer. answer. There is no other. Yes, dude. Some people like forget some random person they met. Sure, sure. but to to quote unquote forget twice. It, it was that was not twice. air quotes. That was. It was that no, was legit. Real. No, was that Houston. was like there's no ambiguity here. How many times did it take for he third time the charm? It's I think four it was more times. than it was like four times. It was more than that. They, and lying is illegal, which is the the house is actually making the case. Lying on those forms is illegal. So if you're like, I don't know any Russians. Well, Magda here says you yeah, do. We have a photograph that proves otherwise. And here is so here is a real you you guys asked if my SF eighty six, like how many times did we revise it? I did not revise it, but I got called out by the FBI because I forgot to list a traffic ticket that I got. Are you serious? Yes, when I was 19. So, uh, like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I just didn't put it down. Something happened. I don't, like, because I filled it out and then it was like several years later that I actually got. Yeah. So, anyway, the point is they were like, why didn't you disclose this traffic ticket? And I'm like, I forgot. I, forgot I don't know. Or like maybe at the time that I filled it out, like it happened. It happened. Like I mean, I don't know. Why. There was some timing issue, but they grilled me, and they were right. like, "Why did you not want but, us to know? You know, this is a, this is a candor issue. This is a character issue. I mean, I think that they were like trying to get me to big. cough up anything else that I did not leave. Like, but I was like, dude, like why would I think that you wouldn't find out the traffic ticket? Like, I'm really sorry. Like, I was going. 30 and a 25 well, it's and, funny, you know. So you can forget a traffic ticket. I don't think you forget meeting with Russians. But my point is that they considered the forgetting of the traffic ticket to so. be potentially indicative of me trying to conceal something or um, indicative of maybe I've concealed something. You know, the, the extent That's to which they grilled it and were – it gave them pause, which I'm sure was also part of their FBI technique to, to scare yeah. me. Um, Did it scare you? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I thought I was. Yeah, like, I, I thought I had my, screwed up during my poly. They did something like that. Yeah, I thought yeah. I had screwed up, and I'm like, did like, they leave the room and yeah. then come back? And oh, yeah, like, yeah. They teach us to do. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Did and you, I was like, I didn't lie, I swear. When they left the room, did you look out the, there's like, did you have a window the that one was the, way, the one-way glass? Did you all I look at it? I think I had that one. Like after they hook you up, uh, they leave? Did they leave? Yeah. And did you cry at all? I did. What? I cried when I left. I cried during. I cried when, you cried during? Oh my God, I cried. Oh, but you guys had full scope polys, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just see I. I had, I know, I legitimately. I didn't have full scope. I think I had CI. You had to have full, isn't full scope, it's everything and CI, right? Yeah, Cause I, I just had, did CI. Because I had questions about had I ever stolen anything. I mean, yeah, I had stolen every like that. Have you any that's false. forged anything? Yeah. Like, have you been directed to come here? Drugs? That's full scope. Have, have, you, have you ever lied to anybody? But that's the difference between. I told my mom once that I was yeah. spending the night at my friend's house. Literally, I, I cut to everything. I started yeah, when I, I was like I when everything. I was eleven. I was, and then in seventh grade, it's like, can you just go? I'm How like, long nope. does that take for them to do a full scope, Polly? Mine took four hours. Yeah. Mine took out, but I legitimately like lost it and cried and started confessing to everything I'd ever done. I did too. And that's like, what I did. That's what I think. I was is, like, I have to go to people dinner are like Polly's are uh, you know they're. Uh, they don't work and they're unreliable. And it's like the, the point, they are a confession tool. Yes. They tap into – so what they do is, as you go, if you ladies know, but I'm for the people who are listening, the way it works is they sit down first and they say, here are all the questions I'm going to ask you. Yep. And you're going to tell me what you're going to answer. And so we – there's no surprises here that once we start the poly, you know what I'm going to ask. I know what you're going to say. We're all on the same page. But what they do is this pre-interview, they ask you questions in the broadest possible way. Have you ever stolen anything? And what happens is it's like don't think about the pink elephant. Like the yeah. then you like your mental Rolodex starts going and you start remembering the time when you were seven and you time took your friend's yogurt or whatever it is. And so then you start barfing it out. And then they will narrow the question down. They say, "Well, what if I say, have you ever stolen anything as an adult? Then your mental Rolodex starts mm-hmm. going. You're like, I took home printer paper from the office. Then they say, have you ever stolen anything of value? So they keep narrowing the question until you feel that you can answer it truthfully. But really what they're doing is that whole process is getting you to elicit information to them. And I think people don't understand that. They think that it's just about they hook you up and they ask you a bunch of stuff no. and decide if you're lying. It's that – initial part where they are trying to get you to give them information. It's funny because I just wrote a little piece about it, but I said it was that exact same thing happened. They said, have you stolen anything? And I started confessing to fr- stealing frozen yogurt from Sweet Delight, this place I worked at, to bring home to my dad. And he's like, have you ever stolen anything of big substance? I'm like, I worked there for three years. I don't know. <laughs> Grand theft, $10,000 worth. Again, three years. You do the math. But it was he kept narrowing it down. I don't know. So then I said, I'm sure it was. And he said, I'm going to just be really confident that you didn't steal $10,000 worth of frozen yogurt. yogurt. And I said my dad really liked it. So we he was a big been. eater. He was a big eater. He could have liked it and I passed. But it was. It was that whole let's narrow it down, let's narrow Did it down. Did they ask you on a scale of 1 to 10 how honest do you – would you say you are? I don't remember. No, I never got asked that. They asked me that and I said I'd say I'm a 9. And um, Ron Barndollar, the agent who – that's me. the best name of I any know. human ever. He actually passed away recently. Aww. Yeah. Um, you know, he looked at me and he kind of nodded and he said, you would be shocked at what people say in answer wow. to that. I'm like, really? But yeah, are they people are like, I'm a three. And I'm like, why would you, you do ever that? Did, you're going to the FBI. In the CIA, that would, a three would, they would hire you because yeah, they want you my, to be that. But that's my question. Like, are they looking for people who are honest? 
or looking for people that can pretend to appear honest. It depends who you're honest with, right? Like you should be honest with your own government, but you know. But if you work at the CIA, you should be. It's you shouldn't be honest. It's two friends, and I'm going to protect their names. Because I love the story, so I'm going to say it again. So the first guy went in. It was years and years ago. And they hooked him up to the polygraph. And they said to him, let's just call him Rob. Rob. And they said, Rob, uh, when was the last time you did drugs? And Rob saw hooked up. He turns to his watch and goes, <laughs> oh, no. What time is it? That's awesome. And they said, Rob, do you realize you can't have done drugs within the last year? And he said, I'll see you in a year. No way. He had a very, and I hate saying a specific set of skills that the agency wanted. Mm-hmm. So he waited a year and came back. Now my other friend, let's call him Brian. Now I'm so interested in what his skills were. Um, well, wine and fries. Um, so <laughs> my other friend, Brian, older, has happened at a different time. He said, look, I know what you're going to ask me. I know. So he reached in his back pocket, took out an index card, slapped it in front of the polygrapher and said – these are all the drugs I've done. The polygrapher is a little shocked and goes, OK, what about the ones that have stars by them? He goes, those are all the ones I made in my bathtub back in the day. Oh, my God. <laughs> so did he get his clearance? Absolutely. He was incredibly <laughs> forthcoming. But he said – the polygrapher said, so how do you say this? Is it peyote? Oh, my God. Peyote stars? Now, is there different kinds of like peyote circles? You know, peyote octane goes, you can just go with peyote stars. We're good to go. Wow. So I didn't even know you could make drugs in your bathtub. This, do, do CIA polygraphs, they're administered by CIA polygraphers? I believe so, yes. Yes, they are. OK. I was like, yes, yes, they absolutely are. Because yeah, the FBI agents were down on the drugs. I mean, they knew yeah. all the drugs and quantities it, and whatever. But I love that. Can you imagine being the polygrapher and somebody whips out an index card and says, these are all the things I made in my bathtub? I don't know if I'd be shocked or impressed. Be impressed, right? Be like, are you single? <laughs> I'm sure the CIA was psyched. Oh, I, I think he was. It's a skill set. It's a skill, it's a skill set. set. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that guy on J date? He <laughs> makes his own drugs in his bathtub. <laughs> Likes and dislikes. Likes. I think I'm, I'm creative. Bring <laughs> I'm like a chef. Yes, but different. <laughs> Now, wait for you when everything happened. I'm going to segue from this topic. Um, when you started watching the news and Trump came in, was there a moment where you both went, like, I can't take this? Like, was there – what was the red line for both of you? I know there's so many and I feel like we – there's always a low where you need a headlight and like spelunking gear to get to the low because it's always so low. But do you remember a specific moment? Because I remember – It was like 9.32 p.m. Florida returns coming in. Okay, that was I, I mean, it was, I, I like I feel like that was probably close to the accurate time. I mean, it was just like this that moment when um, you know your just heart drops into your stomach and you start feeling sick. And I was having a party. Ugh. I, was, I had a party for all my mom friends. Um, you know, I was at the Javits Center for Hillary's not party. Yeah, and oh my god, and they started. Yeah, yeah they started. We, started, we knew around nine thirty, right? Wouldn't you say nine thirty? I mean, when. The Florida return started coming in. How did the mood in the job? I mean, it might have must have oh been. God. It was. I mean, it was like everyone just knew. I mean, there was no way. It was awful. But did you stay to the end, or did you no. leave early? But I mean, when that, did you leave? Super early. Like I think I left at like nine fifteen, and it, the, there were reporters staked out who started like writing that Hillary supporters were leaving AK because tr- Trump had won. Like they wanted to start. Start that, but it was awful. I mean, during his presidency, like, what was the initial like 
Yeah, I was wondering Holy if there was a moment. moment. Because for me, everything was horrible. And then when he gave his speech in front of the CIA wall, yeah. I lost it. And I just – it oh, was – I remember that. It, it, it was – But that was it, after his inauguration. It was after his inauguration. And yeah. I mean there was so much during up to that it was you know, repugnant and I couldn't take it anymore. But that was the moment I just remember like just physically freaking out and just going, this is I, – I couldn't, I couldn't watch. I was so irate. I couldn't see straight. And I remember just like tweeting stuff and like smoke coming out of my fingers as I was tweeting. And I just – I didn't know where to put the rage. Yeah. But it was – yeah. I think for me, like the the election night, there was the shock, lot of drinking alcohol, screaming at my kids to go to bed, even though I'd promised them that they could stay out. <laughs> go to bed. There's nothing to see, you know. As you're um, drinking wine yeah, out of a no, paper talk, bag. I, I, yes. <laughs> um, and so uh, – and then, you know, weeping as I'm making them breakfast the next morning. So that, like, you know, uh, that's their memory of the election. Um, but the time when I kind of – it sunk in – was the Saturday after the travel ban had been passed and reading that New York Times article about what was happening to people in airports and I I lost it. Like I broke down. Like I was – it was just horrifying to me the reality that was manifesting Mm -hmm. of what we had feared, you know? Because that's the thing. It's not just what he says. It's that he obviously can take actions and thank goodness, at least up until a point, the courts blocked the implementation Mm -hmm. of the travel ban. But – it's not just what he says. He he can misallocate resources. He can abuse or use the law. I mean, part of it for me, Charlottesville was a really difficult oh, moment for uh, me. Yeah. Um, my my dad's a Holocaust survivor, and obviously, what happened in Charlottesville wasn't just anti-Semitic. It was white nationalists and all the mm-hmm. horrible things that that means. But when he went and said that there are good people on both sides, particularly after a young woman had been killed, Heather Heyer, I f- felt sick. Um, and it, it frankly hasn't gotten any better since then. And whenever I hear him use language that either knowingly incites violence against my friends, I mean people, whether it be on CNN or people that I worked with in government, call the media the enemy of the, enemy of the people or do things that so obviously help our enemies, I, I still have that. That like what are you doing and kind of physical reaction because it just doesn't make sense to me. What's mm-hmm. it like talking to your dad now during this – during these Trump years, like he, I can't imagine what it, because I would, for me, it's shocking to see anti-Semitism like this. I had experienced it before, but I've never seen it like this. To yeah, and this, hate crimes are way up cr- in the country, yeah. I've never seen, you, you didn't, we didn't see synagogue shootings and none of this. And so I was just curious I if you've had um, conversations with him. Yeah, and I think that um, part of what we've been talking a lot about and what I've been trying to talk a lot about is that like fighting this kind of language is not because it's directed at Jews maybe this time but because there are minority groups that are being targeted. Um, there are statements being made about certain kinds of people being subhuman, being like insects, being like rats. And he has pointed out that that's a kind of language and rhetoric that was used in propaganda then and that is kind of re- – it's really just dog whistles for white nationalism if not overt white nationalism. So that's been hard um, for him and for me as well just just seeing all of that. But as we – I mean Pittsburgh really brought this conversation to light. But hate crimes, the ADL um, did a study on this. I mean they're up so significantly and – It's huge. I don't, I don't see that getting better. Well, and he's also, I think, using people use Ivanka and Jared as, as like a shield almost or his bat, you know. And it, it, he can't be anti-Semitic because of this, but 
That means well, nothing. Like, it's not – yeah, and like just final point. Like it's not just anti-Semitic. Like you can it's, be pro-Israel. Thank you. And have Jewish family, Jewish friends and still issue dog whistles for white nationalism. It's it's not like just because you're – you don't hate the Jews. That doesn't mean that you're not a racist and that you're not doing things that promote these kind of ideas. So I think it's it, it's really difficult for all of us. Let's say – let's talk about something fun and optimistic – 2020. Me dating Idris Elba? Okay. Oh, well, that's going to happen. I'm going to get on the Twitters right <laughs> after you. this. Thank God. I have, I have, we're going to text. It'll Thank be cool. You. Although I do think he's engaged. So, the main so do I. I don't want to break up a couple. I'm just okay. saying if he becomes single. Okay. Well, then we'll have to focus your energy on. I didn't know that if he becomes single was a category. Well, that's, you all know what? Most of mine are in that category if he becomes single. I wish no ill will on, on his fiance. I wonder if that means something like psychologically. I don't know. That could be that deep. I self-sabotage my dating life? Yes, yes. So you're picking people that are attached already. Listen, at 36, there just are fewer single men around, right? Okay. Like there's just, there's just less inventory. <laughs> it's not like spring co- chicken. It's like Costco. There's just not a lot of inventory. There's not. There's just fewer single people. That's, that's interesting. Now I kind of want you to go and jade it. I like. I have, a, I have a friend who did Tinder, and I was so excited because I would he'd let me Tinder his dates for him, and it was just it was really fun. Um, twenty twenty. Who are your picks? Who would you like to see? Asha, if you could do a dream team, if I could do a dream, if team. your like ideal dream team that you'd like to see for twenty twenty. I don't know. I feel like I, I'm. I don't. I'm not in the mainstream of popular opinion. Like I. That's why I like you. I know. I like. I, I don't know more than what I've seen from his Senate race and some of his speeches, but I really like Beto O'Rourke. And I mean, I you know, and I know that all the political people will be like, "Oh, there's no chance," blah blah blah, and they'll give me all the stats on you know why. But like, if you just want to know like who I like, yeah, I like him. Like he's he's young. He's charismatic. I think that he has a strong unifying vision and message and it's not extreme as far as I can tell. Um, I am really worried and I I feel like I need to see how it plays out about the left uh, making the same mistake as the right and getting way too extreme. And so I am more interested in someone who is able to reorient this country back to the political center of people who have been – I mean I think the true left behind people are like the people in the political center who have yeah. been drowned out by crazies on either side. There's um, a lot of crazies. And, and that's what I would like to see. Is there anybody else that you like? I like Kamala Harris like a lot. Um, and I – I'll you know what I especially like about her is that she's coming with um, – Strong government experience um, as a former attorney general, as a senator. Um, I am partial to lawyers. I like, uh, you know, and I, I like lawyers because, as someone who is an associate, you know, went to a law school and who is also an associate dean at a law school, um, I really feel like law schools socialize people to uh, understand that principles matter, yeah, and the things like the rule of law and that. You know, somebody having a day in court is actually more, you know, is is a value to uphold whether or not you believe they're guilty or not, and and things like that. Um, and I think that those are concepts that need to be uh, reinforced um, when all this is over. I'll ask a very unpopular question: 
do you think that now with our political climate and seeing the kind of misogyny and sexism that we're seeing, do you think a woman really does have a chance? <clears throat> or do you think that we're so ass backwards here that really they don't really have the, a strong of a chance? I think they have a chance. You do? Yeah, I do. I mean, and I was on the fence about that. There was a way in which I was so discouraged at one point that I'm like, I almost feel like we need to reset yeah. to this to the default that we've had for you know 250 years and um, <laughs> of interchangeable <laughs> white men. Yeah, and then once we kind of get back to that, we can move forward. But I, you know, I think it's too unpredictable. Um, you know, a couple of years before Obama ran for president, I don't think we would have imagined that that was the moment for our first black president. And you know, I think we just have to see how it unfolds. And I think it just has to be the right person. I hope. So. I hope you're right. I I am not as optimistic. I, I oh really I. I and I'm curious what you think too, Sam. I am. I wish I was more optimistic. I feel. I think events like Charlottesville and seeing this rise and seeing even personally the kind of messages that I see all of us get even on Twitter that are so disgustingly sexist or anti-Semitic for me. Whatever it is, I just think he's unleashed something that's so vile and such. It, it's like. I would say it's the horrible analogy, but in like Ghostbusters when all like the demons come out, that's kind of how I feel and I feel like he's unleashed it all and I don't know if you can put a cap back on it and we can squash it back down. I feel like it's out. So I don't know if people feel like you know, they would be willing to vote for it or they're going to be so scared they'll want to vote sort of the common denominator. They if want that's the safe the, person. If that's what's going to you know, beat Trump because now we're so scared of having him for another four years. What do you think, Sam? Well, bring it home, Sam. Bring it home. No pressure. I'm a senior You're advisor. Just listening. I'm a senior advisor at the Biden Institute. Okay. So, having worked with Vice President Biden at the White House and working with him now, I'm deeply hopeful that he'll announce a run for president. I like Biden. I like Biden a lot. Uh, I, I think like Biden that a lot. He has devoted his career to helping make this country better for all Americans. So I'm hopeful that he'll run. In terms of whether a woman could win, I think what the last election showed us is we don't know who can win. Yeah. I mean, if you had said in 2015 that Donald Trump was going to beat out all the other Republican nominees and beat Hillary Clinton with or without Russian help. Yeah, I was going to say. You probably would have been left out of the room to an extent, right? So I think what we learned from the last election is we just don't know. Okay. I, I, I think Kamala Harris is quite impressive. I have to do more work on her policies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I need but, to you know, understand I, where she's – And I think what I'm voting on has evolved. <clears throat> uh, this this president has really made me think very hard about the uh, – how the per, – like the personality of the president can literally usurp the policymaking process and both under – I worked under two presidents, Bush and Obama. They both use their National Security Council very differently but there was a policy process. And what's become clear now is that this – the process is, you know, President Trump, the mirror on the wall and Sean Hannity. There's there's not He's that process. He's an outlier though. I mean I honestly – Right. But the point is and you and I have talked about oh. this. Like that's a precedent, right? So oh, we have to – So we have to wrap up. Uh, and I will leave you all with the mirror with the image of President Trump talking to his own reflection in the mirror on the wall. There's but. nothing hotter than that. So yeah. It reminds you. me of so Snow White. You're welcome. Um, and I want to thank you both. And I just want to remind everybody you can go visit deepstateradionetwork.com and support all of our lovely work. And you can become a member. You get all sorts of cool things if you become a member. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, you know that you can follow Asha and Sam on Twitter as well as myself. And and 
Sam, you're on Instagram as well, correct? I yes, am. You are. Samantha Vinegrad. And I am also on Instagram as well. And you see all sorts of fun stuff that we post. And I just want to thank you both. It's so it's so exciting because I know that we tweet at each other all the time. So it's so nice to be with you both in and person. And realize that you're a real person. I know. I didn't think you were real. <laughs> I was like, Sam's not really real. I knew Ash was real, and I didn't think Sam was real. So it's exciting. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.